0: Now we're all right. We're live, folks. We're live, live, guys. This live. is Arden Ballard, physician assistant, athletic trainer, coming to you with another edition of Whiskey Throttle's Crash Cart. I have the one, the only Eddie Casillas with me today. He is a athletic trainer. He is a strength and conditioning specialist, an all around badass dude, and a personal friend of mine.
1: Eddie, welcome, welcome, Glad, man. glad to see you. Glad. I mean, this is a cool, even if it's just you and me rapping out and no one else is listening, I'm, I'm stoked, but I'm, all, I'm hoping that's not the case. All
0: six people who listen <laughs> to this will be thrilled with the conversation.
1: I hope so. I hope it's worth their time, you know, whether they're cooking dinner or in the shop, you know, working on bikes. I, I hope that they, they get something out of it, you know, some enjoyment or something and brings a little smile to their face. So yeah, it's to yeah. be here. So
0: speaking of these half dozen folks, why don't you give them a little bit of your uh, your background and
1: relevancy and all that good stuff? Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, uh, shoot, where do I start from like birth or do we just kind of forward a few years and and just kind of maybe a little little background to how I got to where I am now? Hey, if you want to start from
0: conception, man, that's fine. I got all day. <laughs> uh, maybe yeah, a little so, stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, let's start start from the beginning. Uh, I I get for context, right? So third grade, um, my friend Kenny and I went out riding BMX bikes like most kids in those days uh, do, right? It's a mode of transportation and a mode of, of uh, you know, seeking out jumps and, and whatnot. And so he, uh, him and I were trying to find this sick riding spot like you know i think everybody's any anybody that's in this industry or listens to this podcast has a similar story right when you're younger whether it's on a skateboard or a BMX bike you were chasing the spot right yep. you know there was a local spot where the kids hung out and they they jumped and whatever it was ramps uh or dirt uh could be anything and so we were looking for that spot that uh, the kids at school were talking about and we happened to find it and in trying to get to that that spot uh, he rode down a hill, crashed, knocked his teeth out. Um, and so uh, I was like, wow, um, this, is, this is pretty crazy. We're in third grade and my friend just knocked his, his teeth out. So I kind of rode down to where he was at. Um, he was freaking out. And uh, I was like, well, I got to get some help. That's, that's kind of what my mind uh, frame was like. So I took off, um, started looking for an adult. And ran across a house where I saw a garage that was open, looked inside and I seen a dirt bike. I'm like, yeah, that guy uh, could relate. So I went and banged <laughs> on the door and the lady opened the door and I told her what happened. So her, I'm assuming it was her husband, got on the dirt bike, went up there to try to get my friend. He was not having it. He's like, I'm not getting on back of that thing. <laughs> so they, they called the ambulance. The ambulance showed up. Uh, he got hauled away. Um, and I was able to, to ride back to my, my house, which wasn't too far away. And, um, told my parents what happened and they went to the hospital with my friend's parents and, um, at the hospital talking to the docs and the nurse, they came out and I was telling them what happened and everything. And, and it was a doctor that was like talking to me and he's like, man, he's like, you're really calm. You're pretty relaxed. You're not freaking out. Um, and yeah, you, you were really, you're a big help you know, getting your friend some, some attention and, and getting in here to the hospital. You know, they said the typical, you know, probably saved his life kind of thing, but I was really stoked that he was pumping me up. And, and at the time it was really weird because there was an adrenaline rush to that. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't know what that, what that was at the time. I just knew that, that it felt cool to be able to, to help somebody in need. And somebody was like, yeah, this, you did a great job. Like those, those feelings I had were something that stayed with me and very impactful. And then, um, the doctor's like, yeah, you could be a, you could be a paramedic, you know, you know, this is, this is something you can get a job in. And I was like, really, like I could do something and have these, these feelings and get paid for it. And I was like, yeah. So from then on, I, I just, I didn't know what that job really was. I mean, he mentioned paramedic and stuff and, or nurse. Um, but that feeling of, of being able to help somebody um, and and get kind of, and I hate to use, you know, the adrenaline, the rush, because obviously somebody's hurt, but it felt good, right? It felt good to, to help somebody in need. And so I, I pursued whatever job that was going to be. And all the way through high school, um, the counselor there said, hey, you know, that sounds like like physical therapy. Right. So I was like, oh, I guess that's, that's where I'm going to end up, you know, because at, at my school, they didn't have athletic trainers. Mm-hmm. Um, so she mentioned physical therapy um i took a little different path i went into the military i went into the army and uh they put me into the combat medic program um so in that program uh is where i kind of got my 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 foundation for for medicine right for what i was to do later on down the road um so i went in uh did my my time in the military as a medic and gained a lot of experience, a lot of um, core experience that would later uh, play a big, big role in me doing the job that, that I was doing uh, in the motocross industry. So uh, got through the military, got out with the, the, you know, the idea of going into uh physical therapy field. Mm-hmm. So at that time, um, you needed to get some hours both uh, in the hospital and uh, in an outpatient clinic. right? So right. I started pursuing that uh ended up um working for an awesome clinic in town um at the time you know healthcare has changed so much since then but at that time um the techs or the aids as they called them they they gave them a lot of leeway with patient care so if you can imagine um working with a therapist and him just basically saying, all right, I mean, you have some skills from the military. So put those to use here. Um, I want you to take some measurements. They showed me, you know, goniometry measurements. Um, they showed me how to do range of motion. They showed me how to do some testing and basic stuff, right. That, that they just let me do. And they showed me how to use the the modalities, the ultrasound, the STEM units, and how to use them, when to use them. And, and it was an awesome experience that, that I'm very thankful for, um, that I know nowadays, um, Students don't get that, you know. A lot of no. kids going into a PT clinic, it's like, hey, you can get some towels, go wash, you know, some laundry, but you're not getting that hands-on. And and that was also um, building on that foundation. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I got into uh, a really good group of of people there working, and um, I tried getting into PT school, and even to this day, it's it's a very difficult program to get into. Um, And I wasn't successful. And so I was kind of getting a little bummed out. And there was a, a, a coworker that was uh, working with me and, and she was an athletic trainer and she's like, you know, have you ever thought about athletic training? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Right. So she described it to me and I'm like, where was that? You know, in high school, Like, (laughs) what am I doing? You know, I was like, that sounds exactly what I want to do. Uh, and for those of you that, that don't know what athletic training is, um, it's excuse me. It's a it's a healthcare profession. All right. So if you watch pro sports and you see guys get injured, and there's a group of people that go out onto the field, um, those are athletic trainers. You know, oftentimes they'll have a doctor out there, but for, for the core group of people out there, they're also athletic trainers.
0: Kind of um, like this guy.
1: Yeah, kind of like that guy. The guy on the left, not the guy on the right. There we go. Um, yeah, this guy right there. So yeah. So you, you go out there and, and you know, you assess the, the situation, you bring him back to the sideline, you take care of him and you decide right there, hey, is this guy going back out on the, on the field or is he going to go into the locker room um, and, and get, take care of him there? And then after the game, you're doing your rehab and, and you're doing uh, whatever it takes to, to get that, that athlete back onto the, the field. So I was like, that, that's what I want. So I pursued that. I went to uh, UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and got my education there. And, um, it it was awesome. It was a great experience. Um, at that time, uh, it was, you know, it was kind of, I don't want to say it was a wild west, but there was still, um, trying to decide, do we do clinical hours? Do we do internship type routes? So it was in that, that kind of mode in that, at that time for that profession. So it was a mixture of both. So we're getting a lot of exposure and, um, my, my professors being that had, already being in the military and being a little bit older than most of the, the students there. Um, they kind of gave me a lot of autonomy. They, they assigned me a, a tennis team, for example, and they said, Hey, this is your team. Uh, see you later at the end of the semester. You go do what you got to do um, and then check in when, when you have to. So it was, it was awesome. It, great? <laughs> it was great. Right. The coach even said, Hey, you're the guy uh, for medical stuff. So my team will listen to you. And it was, it was a good, um, good thing for me. Cause I was able to, to work with athletes, right. And understand athletes. And even to the coach, the coach was really cool. Um, he really mentored me a lot. And the understanding of, of, you know, the athlete's mentality of, of wanting to play, um, with while hurt or preparing to play, you know? Um, so that was a great, great experience. My, uh, um, I guess my, what's our counselor the person that you connect with at school that kind of guides you through your career there. Uh, Dr. Mangus, he was also great. He, he hooked me up. Um, working some camps for us soccer uh their national team program they had a an olympic development program so yeah. i got some exposure there and, and then that that also raised the level of um athleticism right so i'm working with collegiate athletes i'm working with top uh club you know future national team players uh in soccer so uh, getting exposure to to that program and and just understanding you know the difference between a recreation player right athlete and the athlete that that uh, is going to maybe have scholarship or you know future professional uh, positions, and getting an understanding of um, communicating with the athlete and understanding them and and their needs, right? And and getting exposed to athletes that where they're playing injured, right? And and you're developing this rapport with them, and and so that when you're saying, hey, you shouldn't play, they're they're understanding is, okay, this guy's been with me. He understands I want to I do this. And if he's saying no, then, then I shouldn't play, right? right. Um, and, and that's very important. And um, it takes some time to develop that. And so I was able to learn and, and, and communicate and be able to get that, that uh, relationship with, with those athletes. And that also building on that foundation uh, for the future. Graduating college, um, went back to work for that clinic that I was at that pt clinic and um that's where that that's that right there that moment is where where it happened i i had these patients that i was seeing it was, this is really funny um the the lady that worked at the front office she knew that i liked bmx and snowboarding and skateboarding she i was kind of like the reckless kid <laughs> right. and and so then she's like hey I, I got i got these guys for you okay they always call in for therapy And they're here for like a day or two, and then they're gone. They disappear. We don't see them again. Um, And then they come back, and they're still broken. And sure enough, you know, I get a patient come in, uh, Eric Kehoe. Uh, if you familiar with Eric Kehoe, team manager for for Honda? At the time that I met him, he was uh, the manager over at uh, Yamaha Troy. Um, And and look, I knew Moto. I knew it from the Coliseum. I knew it from watching TV. Um, But I, I didn't ride dirt bikes like like I ride BMX or snowboard, right? I've been yeah. on a dirt bike and I'd ride, but I was not in that industry. So I didn't really know. So I, I know Eric, other than he was just the guy that rode dirt bikes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, he comes in and I can't remember, I think i was seeing him for his back or his knee or something. And we're talking, we're having this conversation and, um, he's like, so, you know, like, what do we got to do? And I'm like, well, um, you can ride. And he's like, I can ride. And I was like, yeah, I don't see why not. You like riding why would I take that away from you? And he's like, right. you're the first person that has, uh, has said that. Right. And I was like, well, yeah, why, why wouldn't you? Right. Um, so anyways, um, he, uh, was stoked, you know, he was really stoked that I, that I would say that. And I was like, well, here's the deal. I want you to ride, but you got to remember that you're still injured. So you got to like taper it down a little bit, right. Just right. go feel it out, gradually get back into it. And, and, uh, and let's see where we go from there. I go, why don't you go and just maybe ride at half the speed, right? I don't, I don't know. And I don't understand moto. So you help me out. Let me understand what you need. And he, yeah, he just, he helped me out. He's like, well, this is what we do. This is how many laps I ride. This is what I'm normally doing. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's, let's go at like 75%. Or yep. So he was stoked. So then he came back and he consistently came back and we got better. And, and, and he sent other people. He's like, Hey, go to this guy. This guy, he's not going to tell you to stop riding. Right. He's actually going to tell you to go to concept. Right. Right. And, and so it was, oh, sorry. So anyways, um, he, uh, he, he was cool. He was cool with that. And so he sent other guys to me. Uh, Rob Healy was another one. He was over, he was the owner of InStyle. If anybody knows Rob Healy at InStyle? Yeah, yeah. They made graphics. And then, um, Bob Rathkamp, he was uh, another gentleman. He, he's the guy that was over at Sinasalo. He ran Sinasalo and now in Garnet and they were coming in for therapy and, and the front office is like, what, what's your, like, what's, what's your, what's your trick? Like, what's the <laughs> magic? And I was like, well, and hey, look, anybody that rides dirt bikes, you guys will totally understand this. I was like, well, they, they like the sport. They're not going to not do it, right? They're going to do it. So I'm going to tell them, yeah, do it, but throttle it down. Um, just like a doctor would tell a football player, you can play just, you know, let's work within these parameters, right? Right. And so that's, that's, that's the trick, right? You just, I'm not going to take that away from them. Now, if I tell them they shouldn't, then it's probably, they shouldn't, right? They shouldn't ride. So, and they understood that if I say, Hey, listen, maybe not ride for two weeks, let this really heal up so that you can ride longer, right? If you don't heal, don't let it heal for these two weeks, you might end up, you know, prolonging how long this, this injury lasts and they're okay, cool. You've let me ride the last three times we were here. uh, I'll listen to you. So that, that was kind of my, my start in there. Well, it helps that With we're
0: that. trained as athletic trainers We're trained in prevention of injury. So, I mean, we kind of know that dance between inactivity versus you can keep it going and
1: exactly, exactly. And, and they were very appreciative of that because that was the first time that someone had ever told them, go ahead. Like they kept constant, everywhere they went was like, no, shouldn't do this. Shouldn't, right. should you know, ride dirt bikes. That's so dangerous, you know? So, um, so, yeah, they would come and go. They all lived in that area. I built a good rapport with them. And really where my break came was. At the time, um, Kehoe uh, had some athletes that he was he was uh, um, working with, you know, on the, on that team. And uh, he was like, hey, um, how would you like to come out to you know, a race or two and just be there? For the athletes, because we had talked about you know the, that concept, you know, other athletes or other sports teams do that. So he was he was fully cool with that. And and I was like, Yeah, that's cool. And at the time, there was another gentleman, uh, Russ Wageman. He uh he owned a shop, Pit Pro, and he had an amateur team. Chris Wheeler was on it. Um, and he's the one that really said, Okay, I'll open the door for you, I'll get you in. Um, you can come and work out of my van, out of our box van and work with the athletes. And I was like, All right, cool. And so I remember it was uh, the Coliseum and we were there for a Supercross event and he was there and he, he had a box fan. And not only did he have guys pitting out of his, his box fan, but he was also selling stuff. Okay. He was selling stuff out of his box fan and um, I was all stoked. I'm there, you know, I was, I was professional. I had my little, you know, my, my collared shirt and I was like ready to, you know, to work. Right. And so I'm sticking around and these guys are doing their practice and someone Wait, comes up to me. Hold up. Were that? you in, were you in the athletic trainer khakis? Uh, no, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I avoid, I mean, I had to wear them in college. That, that was just such a, uh, but no, after college, I was no longer in a khaki. No, For those not.
0: that don't know, athletic trainers are notoriously criticized because they're in like these stiff polo shirts and these tight little khaki shorts. But anyway. Yeah, no. And
1: that was not, no. <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, I remember there was, uh, th- this young lady comes up, uh, she's pushing this dirt bike and she sets it up against the the, the box van and she's coming over and look, I'm, I'm the only one that the box van, everybody else is doing their thing. So she shows up and she's like, Hey, um, I need, uh, 10 gallons of VP fuel. And I'm looking for like a 52 sprocket or something. And I was like, a what? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, can you get that for me? And I was like, uh, yeah, let me, let me figure this out. And she's like, uh, here, let me get it. So she hops in the box van and she's like over at, at the fuel can and she's pumping the fuel into the, into the, uh, the fuel can. And she's looking for all the gear. And then the guys show back up and I'm like, Hey, she's looking for fuel and, and the, a sprocket. I, I don't know. And they just started laughing. They're like, <laughs> okay, this guy, he's our, he's our athletic trainer. He's not a mechanic. He's not a, a motor guy. So everybody had a good laugh uh, over that. Uh, but then again, that, that was my, entry in there. Russ Wageman got me that, that gig. And then Kehoe then helped me out, you know, by, by covering uh, my costs to get into, to to work with the Yamaha Troy guys and just getting in there and being available if they needed some taping or just stretching or anything, you know, that, that you would be able to provide during the course of the day that would help them get through, through that event. Um, and then it wasn't until, uh, Casey Lytle, uh, started riding for that team that, uh, really I mean working with him was the catalyst for me eventually making a push to go to Temecula and and start my path in that in that industry. Um casey had injured his back and he had been seeing some other people for some care, wasn't getting any better. And finally when he came to me um and we discussed maybe getting an MRI, seeing an orthopedic. He was he hadn't been to an orthopedic at this time, did an MRI and he had uh some bulging discs right and it it was bulged enough to where he was getting symptoms right he was getting some some symptoms down into his legs some numbness some tingling and stuff it was affecting his his riding and so uh they were thinking man this is a this is it his season's over and i said no that's not necessarily true um if we can do some some exercises you know we can we can alleviate some of those symptoms and i don't see why he can't ride and they're like okay let's do it and this is where having worked with the tennis team and working with the soccer team and, and communicating with coaches and, and understanding kind of the verbiage that coaches want to hear, right? They don't want to hear, Hey, my guy's out. Cause if he's out, he's got to be out, out. Right. And, and my verbiage was like, no, I, I think we can, he, he, can still race. Um, the doctor thinks he can race. We just gotta, you know, we gotta get this under control, right? We gotta do the proper exercise. So that's when I sat him down and said, look, we, we have to at least take a week or two to see if we can get these symptoms to go down, no riding. Um, and so they had an off weekend. And so Kehoe was like, all right, well, you know, we have an off weekend, so that's two weeks. And I said, you know, we'll just see, maybe he has to miss one race, you know? And he's like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's play it by ear. I'm like, all right, let's do that. So we just started working. He was coming in every day and we were doing his rehab and he was getting better. And I was the, towards the end of the second week, and he wasn't supposed to ride. Right. We're going to make a decision, kind of like a game day decision as to whether or not he was going to go ride or race. And um, he. uh, (laughs) Someone had come in because they were also a patient and they're like, hey, man, I don't know what you guys are doing with Lytle, but that dude is ripping like I can't believe he's riding. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, he was out at the track and he was just crushing. He was feeling great. I was like, all right, cool. So Casey comes in at his appointment and I'm like, hey, how was the day? He's like, oh, it was good. You know, I ass going to start on my exercises. I'm like, how's everything going? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling really good. I'm like, yeah, so how was riding? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, I heard you are ripping. And he's like, uh, no. I'm like, don't lie to me. Right. <laughs> he's like, all right, you got me. You know, and I'm like, dude, you can't be doing that. You know, and you can hurt yourself and, and really, you know, now you're out for the season. So we held off one race, uh, just to make sure everything was really good, but he raced that following weekend. And at that time is when, when Kehoe's like, Hey, listen, you know, you might have, you might have a, a, a job in this industry. Okay. I think you have what it takes. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. Um, yeah. I'd like to help you out, you know, by getting you to some races and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think, you know, there, there are other people similar to you. Um, you know, there, there's chiropractors and there's, um, like nutritionists and that come to the races and, and they help the riders out. But, I, you know, if, if you want to do this, um, I'll, I'll try to help you out. So I was like, all right, let's do it. And um, there was a rider, uh, Justin Bucklew. He was coming on board uh, to the team and we actually started working together. So that's where I was the first time I was doing my strength conditioning stuff. Right. We Buckley was was injured and we were doing some rehab. And then I ended up doing a little bit of training with him and I was going down to Temecula. And I pulled the trigger and, and I ended up moving in with him and his, his mechanic, Zach white. And that, that was my start in, in moto, right? Like I was like full on, I quit my job. I had some savings uh, for a house, which, you know, I look back at it now. I should have bought the house and maybe, you know, did something else, you know, to get some money. But I, I was like, I was using that money to, to get my future going. And so, um, I was working with Justin, I was getting my feet and, you know, Wet in this industry, and um, we almost won won a championship. We worked together for part of the the season. The first time, the first year he was on the team, we went into a solid off season uh, program. And I was still learning moto. Right, I was still learning. You know, what type of conditioning um, is required? You know, what kind of mechanics they're using? You know, or, or on the bike, like uh, just studying the sport, trying to learn as much as I can, talking to as many people as I could, trying to get some feedback. Because again, you know my experience on a dirt bike isn't like what they, you know, their experience. Right. So I don't ride at their speed. So I had to really ask a lot of questions and and take in a lot of feedback. And I remember, um, at the time, you know, saying, Hey, we should do some strength training. We got to do some squats and deadlifts, you know, what other athletes do. And I knew that was important. And they're like, Nope, not doing any of that. Cause that's going to make me heavy or I'm going to get pumped up. And so that right. was my introduction to like arm pump and, and stuff. And I was like, that doesn't make sense. Cause you know, even sprinters uh, squat and do this kind of stuff and you know, their calves don't get pumped up right? kind of stuff. So I was, I, I was trying to understand it, but then I was like, you know, all right, cool. I'm not going to, I'm just not going to tell them to do it. Cause if I do that, they're going to, they're going to fight me. And then you know, I'm, we're, not, we're not, I'm not going to get what I want out of it and they're not going to get what they need out of it. So right. I was like, all right, cool. All right, let's do these things. And so as we worked along, you know, through the season and stuff and um, they, they got injured, right? Or something happened, then I would just kind of throw it in there like, hey, you know, if you're a little bit stronger, that might not have, been, that might not have happened. Or you could have rebounded a little better, right? That slam to the ground wouldn't have affected you as much. So yep. I'm just kind of planting the seed. So then the off season would come and they were more accepting of maybe doing a little bit of strength training you know, maybe for two weeks after the season, just to get some. And yeah, that's how we started just slowly chipping away at that. And that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, we almost won a championship, uh, the one year he actually won the first few races. Um, and I was looking pretty good. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm going to win a championship here. I think with this, with this guy, you know, and we went into the break. What's that one for one, right? Yeah. Right. I was like, I was stoked. I mean, I'm like, wow! It's my second year in this sport, and I'm working with this great kid. and And we go into the break, and I remember I was sleeping on his couch, um, helping him out, going to the track in the morning, um, just pretty much twenty four seven with this guy. And, and his mechanic, right? He was working, you know, in the shop. How mechanics do you just uh, constant work, right? No, no rest. Um, and I was digging it, though. I was like, this is if this is what it takes, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked, right? Yeah. And. I wasn't charging him very much because I didn't know what to charge. And as a business person at that time, I, I didn't know. Yeah. Right. So I was like, well, he's let me sleep on his couch. Um, and so that, you know, that, that, you know, accounts for something. And so I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like a few hundred bucks a month is what I was getting paid. Right? Yeah. And he was, and he was, and he was like on a bonus only program too. And yeah. so he was telling me, you know, um, you're on my couch, you know, I pay you this much. I'm like, oh, that'll work. You know? And so, like I said, it's probably a few hundred bucks a month. We go into the break. He's looking really good for this championship. He just has to stay on the podium. And even Kehoe and all the guys are really stoked because, you know, they expect those other riders. But sometimes in, in reality, they're like, you know, this might be, you know, two or three season deal before we really see this person blossom. But he was he was coming around. He was doing really good. And I remember uh, him sitting me down on the couch. And he's at this time, I want to say he was like 18 years old and maybe a little bit younger, maybe like 17 and he's like, Hey, we got to talk. I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem. He's like, um, yeah, I've been doing some thinking and I was like, here, all right, here, dude, I'm going to get a raise. I'm just gonna be, you need to be stoked. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to have to let you go. And I was like, uh, all right. Like what's, what's the deal. And he's like, um, yeah, I just think that, that you're just charging me too much, you know? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, really? I was like, um, okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what trainers are getting paid, you know, or, or athletic trainers, strength coaches. Um, I said, all right, let me, um, yeah, let me think about this. And, you know, maybe I, I take a pay cut. I don't know. So I went and called all the local gyms in town, 24 hour fitness. Um, oh, what's the other ones that were out there at the time? But anyway, I called them up and I said, Hey, what's, what's the cost for personal training? Like, what do you guys charge? And they're telling me, oh, you know, we're looking at 25 bucks an hour or, you know, this, what equated about 25 bucks an hour, right? Yeah. And I was like, all right, cool. So I just started doing the math and I'm like, I'm with this guy at least eight to 10 hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. At the track, doing lap times, all this kind of stuff. 10 hours, let's just say I'm, I'm at the track and I'm like, you're giving me like 400 bucks a month. So I broke it down to an hourly rate and it was like 15 cents an hour. <laughs> And I, I put it on the paper and I was like, you greedy man. bastard, Eddie. I was like, I can't believe you. I go, I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like I know I, that's not even, you know, that that that's not right. So I said to him, I go, Hey, look, if you think that you're charging me too much, I understand that's you, but these are the numbers. This is what a personal trainer gets paid at a 24 hour fitness. I'm way better than that. Um, but yeah, if we want to part ways, you know, I, I get it. So we parted ways and I told Cijo and yeah. And Cijo was like, uh he's making a mistake you know why would he do that he's and even he said the dude's getting bonuses for his wins like he he could pay your salary that's what that's what happens right yeah and so no I was like oh, I'm out and so uh yeah we parted ways and he didn't win that championship that year he, he and I'm not saying it was my my doing right but um he did come back probably like 10 about 10 or 12 years later He's like, yeah, that was probably one of my biggest mistakes in my career. <laughs> no, I mean, just I just I I got ahead of myself, and um, I was just thinking about you know the celebration stuff. I wasn't sticking to what was working, and obviously, it, it didn't work. And there's there's some other issues there. It wasn't wasn't me that that was like making a success, um, but that that's fine, that's cool. I ended up uh, moving in with uh, um, Ernesto at his house. And I stayed there for a while, him and Kenny G. And, and I got introduced to the other guys. I started working with Casey Johnson and then working with Casey Johnson, with Jerry Dossel, and then Ivan Tedesco. And I just kind of started moving from there. And right around that time, um, there, was these, uh, uh, there was this talk of uh, um, a motocross uh, like sports medicine truck being formed. Yep. Uh, it was a, a guy named Al Gertke. He was a personal trainer for a guy for Ron Ron. And he said that he had talked to some some individuals that were considering putting this together. And I was like, well, I'm, I need to talk to these guys. Yeah. I want to see what's going on. And so he introduced me to Dr. Bodner and, and Dr. Augustine and Tom Carson. And I was at one, I think it was one of the Anaheims. And, and uh, I was like, hey, you know, I introduced myself, I told him what I was doing. And he's like, yeah. And it was actually Dr. Augustine because he's an orthopedic. He understood the value of athletic trainers, and he had that slot. Op- you know, he said, "Hey, we got to have athletic trainers." And you know, Dr. Bonner's like, "Well, we need we need nurses and we need you know paramedics and this kind of stuff." He's like, "No, you're gonna you're gonna be a lot better off having athletic trainers." So Dr. Augustine really pushed for that. If he wasn't involved, there wouldn't be any athletic trainers in the medic rig. Yeah. So he was really he was really. Uh, um, behind the athletic trainers and if you know he, i owe him a lot for for at least you know making sure that happened and so i told him and dr bonner's like yeah put in your your application and uh, we'll see what happens and i was like okay i go i can't imagine there's that many people you know they're gonna have the experience you know <laughs> right. but i'm like hey whatever i'll do it so i, I put my resume together and stuff and I, I gave it to him and i just sat around for a while and then uh, i was like dude i can't imagine what's the deal why haven't they called me back and I mean, it, it was probably a month, month and a half going by. Two months, I was like, "Dude, this sucks." So then, someone told me that uh, there he was considering getting a, a massage therapist instead. Lord. And and I was like, "No, this is this can't be right. There's no way." Right. So I I confronted him. Like I I don't know. Maybe I was I was really thorny. I was really salty. I was really pissed off that. <laughs> they would hire a massage therapist over an athletic trainer or a paramedic, you know, whatever. Right. So I went to him and I was like, Hey, I go, look, no disrespect, you know, and, but I think what you're doing is stupid. I'm like, you serious? <laughs> you're going to hire a massage therapist. I mean, I, I, people were telling me and he's like, Hey, you need to calm down. He's like, you're hired, dude. You, you're the guy from the beginning, but there's massage therapists dropping in their resumes and, and they're trying to give me massages to try to get a job here. You don't, you think I'm going to turn that down? He's like, you know how many massages I got in the past three months? I'm like, well, why didn't you say that? I don't care. Go get your massage, but did you leave me hanging like that? And he, we were laughing. He's like, nah, dude, you're the guy from the beginning. I'm like, well, let's, let's make it, you know, let's make it legit. Right. Just tell me. So he's like, yeah, you're good. We want you on the team. So that, that, that's where that started. I was on there as me. Um, Dr. Bodner, dr augustine um and then the the nurses I found, I found yeah this the nurses team. uh were in there um yes yeah, so even like dr ryman and dr alexander they were they were coming around a little bit yep. uh, that's when i got to know them uh those first couple of years there and then they started coming on board a little bit uh more often to the races so yep but yeah that was that was the beginning that we had a little fifth wheel uh trailer back then like a snowmobile trailer kind of thing that we towed it around for a while it was a um it was perfect like i was i was living the dream for me right yep. most athletic trainers as you know when they go into the collegiate setting their dreams are to work baseball football hockey those those sports right yep. and you know I, I had an opportunity to be doing some stuff with soccer but when this came around i'm like let's do it you know that this is my action sports right i'm all about it so yeah i was living the dream uh, when that when i finally got that gig eddie this was what 2004 Oh, three, yeah, something like that? It, yeah, two. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I moved down to Temecula in '99, 2000, right there. So, yeah, 2001, 2002 is when you know this stuff was kind of coming around. Yeah, I think it was 2004 when individually they had this team and said, Yep, we're going to launch it. Boom, we started out. Uh, I think it was like San Diego, well, Anaheim. We had a like a regular trailer, but I think it was uh, San Diego when we, we demonstrated or we brought out the, the full, the full rig. Yeah, I remember so. so- yeah, and I met you,
0: or I met Bodner first in 05 um, in Houston when I slept in my car and made sure that I harassed him enough so I can get a job. And then we met
1: that, that weekend. And uh, yeah, well, was it, was it that, or he, he, when did you drive down with us? Did you, cause was, I didn't meet you until we, we communicated, we had an email, or right? I think we had an email back then, right? You mm-hmm. still had email, I think it, went, it was still, it was available. Yep. Um, but I remember Bodner's like, hey, dude. Um, this guy's been been on my ass, you know, just nonstop. Yep. He's like, do you think we can, you know, can can you come out and, you know, hang out for a little bit? I'm like, yeah, I, I was a big proponent of that. Like I going through school, being an undergrad, uh, I remember the graduate students that were just like, you guys aren't worthy of stepping on the field. And it's like, OK, I get it. And then even in like the, the athletic training room, it's like, no, don't touch the equipment, you know, whatever not not on the athletes you can do it on on yourselves but you know you're not good enough for the athletes right and i'm like that's crap i mean we're supposed to be learning so let's learn you know on on athletes that's that's what we're here for so i was like you know what if the student wants to go through the effort like like you did right to come out i'm gonna give this person every opportunity to come out here and and you know let them experience it right so yeah um we connected and i'm like hey I'm out in Mississippi um, hanging out with Wyndham. <clears throat> if you want to come down to the races, um, let's do it. And, and I remember I was with Tucker. I was working with Tucker Hibbert yep. and I told Tucker, I'm like, if this dude is willing to drive from, were you in Louisiana or where were you at at that time? Yeah, I was in New Orleans. In New Orleans. I'm like, if this dude is like a- willing to drive all the way out here to catch a ride with us and drive like what, six hours to, to Houston or whatever, yep. uh, this dude's got to be legit. I mean, let's, you know, People that don't want the job aren't going to do that. They're not going to go through that effort. So I'm like, let's, let's let them go. And Tucker's like, yeah, if he's here on time, then he's in. And so, yeah, I remember you showed up in your little Toyota truck. Yep. And uh, um, it was just so funny because, oh man, you, I know, you, remember, you know what's coming. I did. Uh, you, you got all your stuff I out of the truck. That, I'm right. like, hey, it's I'm, all like, coming. I'm like, hey, you know, let's go, dude. We're going to hop in the, in the van. We're taking off. And you're like, all right, cool. And we went to get gas and uh tucker says to me he's like he's like hey he's like who is this guy i'm like i don't know i go i just know him from email he's he's an athletic trainer he's he's on for mo he's like bro he's got pom-poms on his backpack he's got he's got like petty bears you know and i was like oh yeah that's that's kind of weird he's like we need we need we need to find out who we're riding with before we go on this trip." Right. so remember right. you came in and we're like hey What's with the pom poms and 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 you know little teddy bear and stuff? And you're like, hey dude, I was a cheerleader. Like it was like nonchalant. I'm a cheerleader. (laughs) Tucker and I are like, "Uh, uh, okay, what do we do? You know, like (laughs) we kick this guy out. You know, like what are are we rolling with? And then we just started laughing and we're like, ah, cool. I guess we got a cheerleader in the van, so let's roll. You know, mean. And now that it was out there, yeah. And then, uh, and that's all she wrote. Like it was legit. You you came in. I showed you around and yeah, you, you were great. And you just kept coming. And I was like, yeah, if you want to come out more, do it, you know, And that led to other things. So that was pretty cool. It was, it was, it was a good beautiful day. run. Man. I was stoked that you made that effort. Cause that's how I was. Right. I, I went through the effort and I even, you know, like I said, I even called Bodner out like, dude, I want this job. So I, I appreciate that effort. So other people had emailed me before and I'm like, all right. So I would say show up at this time. And if they did, I knew they were, they were ready to, to go out and, and, you know, experience. Being with an athletic trainer, you know, at a supercross race, some people wouldn't—they wouldn't answer back. Or I'm like, hey, yeah, you got to come out, and they're like, well, are you going to pay me? I'm like, <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> you're calling me, you know? No, I'm not going to pay you. I'm mean, like, I'll give you a box lunch, but that's about it. Right. They're like, no, nah, I'm not interested. So I—I I didn't know, I didn't
0: know you. I didn't know Bodner. I mean, I'm just a South Louisiana kid who loves motocross, who happened to be a cheerleader, but I also love motocross. Um, and I saw Bodner or you on TV one day, uh, just like a glimpse. And I was like, oh man, like this actually exists because that's, I mean, I was in athletic training school at the time with no intention working ball and stick sport. And I wanted to be you, I wanted to be Bodner, and that's that's all I wanted to do. My plan was to graduate and then move to California and just you know, work at a shop until I met somebody. And uh, I emailed my local AMA rep who got me in touch with higher ups at AMA who happened to know Bodner's email address. And I just stalked the living shit out of him until he gave me an opportunity.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that sounds weird, right? Like that when you, you say it like that, like him but that's what it takes, right? Like yep. privateers do that, right? They are yep. mechanics, like young mechanics. They're like, I'm going to go hang out at a shop until I annoy the crap out of somebody. And they, they say, just go to the track with this guy, spin wrenches. Right. Yep. Um, most of the time, I'm gonna say the majority of the time, maybe that doesn't work out, but you gotta do it, right? And yeah. for those that it does work out for, because they obviously have something to contribute, right? They're not they're not just there to be there. Like some people there, you know, they're chasing the the stardom. Um, but the 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 core people, the guy that really the guys that do it for for the love of it and, and for wanting to contribute something. They they stick around and, and that's why you stuck around, right? You you had something to give that the industry needed, and it was I mean it was awesome. And I'm glad you, you stuck it out. So that was good. Thanks, man. That's a
0: huge blessing. And and my life wouldn't be the same if for if, if it weren't for working in the industry the way I have. It's been it's been amazing. And uh I would do it all over again. So I know you would too. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. What, let's let's talk about some like some moto specific stuff real quick. I, um, tell me and tell these, these other six people who are listening, uh, some of the gnarliest stuff that you've seen from, from your perspective, either track side or at a practice track or what, what's some good stories that come to mind?
1: It doesn't have to be gruesome. It can be just funnier. No, well, you know, it, it, it's, um, I'll put it to you this way. So my cousin, Danny, he was uh, in, he actually, he went into the athletic training program um, and he was still in school. And I remember telling him we we're at, uh, at a family function. I'm like, hey, dude, you're in town for a while. Why don't you, we were, we were starting the season. So we had Anaheim's and San Diego's and we've had Phoenix. I'm like, you, you come to like four races. Okay. You, you come hang out with me for four races and you will see. All the injuries that your teachers tell you you will never see in your lifetime because yes. it's just they're so like uncommon, right? They're just they just don't happen. This is like fluke and stuff like that. And I was telling him about like Travis Pastrana's injury where he separated his spine from his his sacrum, right, and or yeah. his pelvis, and and he lived, right? He, he it's like he was saying how the doctor was telling him, yeah, I've only seen like three cases or four cases of this ever, and they all you know were paralyzed, and he walks away, right? right? And I was telling him, my cousin, like you come to four races. And and not not that I want those things to happen, but that's just the nature of the sport, right? Right. And sure enough, he came to four of them, and I mean, he saw fractured femurs, fractured pelvis, you know, the common fractures, dislocations, um, and, and and ran the whole gamut of that. And and unfortunately, too, you know, he he also experienced um, you know a, a death. Uh, Jason Carletta was was uh, the young rider that that passed away at that Supercross in San Diego, but through that that tragedy um, you know for him to see that um, it it sticks with you right for the rest of your life but he also got to see um, you know everything that goes goes behind the scenes so that that doesn't happen again right, and, right. you know through a tragedy like that you you want to make sure that it doesn't happen again and so he was able you know we, we talked a lot and, you know there's there's some emotional stuff that goes along with that um, but I think too as, as a healthcare provider to see what what we do behind the scenes so that doesn't happen again he was able to see that too and and going back to school and then the job that he does that he's done since then you know in in the athletic training field you're able to, to say hey look you know we got to put these measures in place so stuff you know this this inevitable or this this tragedy doesn't happen and people can say well it's not going to happen he's like no it, it can happen all right yeah. if, if we if we you know let our guard down a little bit it can happen and so i think that that's a you know from a tragedy comes that. And I think that, you know, um, is good in, in that respect. But, um, as far as injuries, gosh, um, I'll tell you not an injury, but it's just really funny in the sense that I'm, I'm the butt of this joke or this, this, this situation, but I think it was, uh, I say it was Glenn Helen. Was it Glenn Helen? Carmichael's racing. And I think all of them are All are listeners they understand what monkey butt is right we we've all experienced it. if you ride in the sand and, and you're you're riding dirt bikes your butt gets a little raw well in this situation it, it got pretty raw and his whole crew came into the truck to see if there was something that we can do right and we're having this conversation and he's like yeah dude i got a bad case of monkey butt and i, don't, I mean it's just it's really bad and so <laughs> we're like uh yeah we gotta look you know we gotta take a peek you know, and see how bad it is. Right. So he's like, all right, whatever. And and so he's like he he drops his drawers and and I'm like down there, like he's like bent over on the gurney, right? And I'm like looking at he's like spreading his butt cheeks open and I'm looking. And all I see is the photographers from the photographers, I don't know if it was Guy V or Cox or somebody, are shooting pictures from the opposite end. So all you see is like him bent over and my head is like in his butt. Right. (laughs) And they're shooting pictures and yeah, he had a sore right in there that we had to patch up. So I'm like trying to bandage it up as best I can and stuff. And everyone's just laughing. I'm like, dude, this is, you guys are killing me here. So that was pretty funny. You know that. So that that was a good time. Um, Sean Hamlin was another one at Glen Helen. Um, He fell off the back of the bike and he got sucked up in the rear wheel and it tore his nutsack open. So nice. he came in after the first moto and yeah, sure enough, he had like, you know, maybe like a centimeter, you know, it was, it was a pretty good laceration. And we're like, yeah, we're going to have to suture that up, but he didn't have time. Like he didn't want to go through that. So we just stereo stripped it. We just wow. <laughs> hit a bunch of strips on his nuts, and, and he went <laughs> out and rode the second moto. And then he came back and, and Doc sewed him up. So that was, that was pretty wild. Um, but uh, I was Maeda, Don Maeda from, uh, um, he was uh, shooting photos at Hangtown, and he was stepping over one of the hay bales uh, mm-hmm. on the start line and he slipped and kind of fell onto the hay bale. And he, he just thought that he racked his nuts. Right. Yeah. So he came to the, he came to the truck. He's like, dude, I, I racked my nuts, but the pain's just not going away. And I guess he, he took a look and he saw some blood. So he was freaking out. So he came in and, and Bodner and I have him in the back and he's like, got his legs open and Bonner pulls out a splinter. It was probably like three inches long. From his his, his sack and he's like he's like you know if this was a little splinter i'd be like hey good to go but that's that's pretty far in there you need to go to the hospital and and get yourself ultrasound because you could you could have done some damage up in there yeah yeah we give him we give him some 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 ribbon for that that was brutal
0: i remember it was my second race in dallas i was with you and i'm still kind of starstruck on all this stuff right because i've looked up to all these guys and there was a very um I don't know if you would appreciate me telling this, but um, so there was a very prominent racer who we all know that had the number two on his bike for a very long time, um, won like seven Supercross championships or something. You might know him, um, but I remember he's, and this is the old rig, right? This isn't the 18 wheelers, the fifth right. wheel that you're talking about. And he's laying on that front gurney in there and he's just laughing, cutting up and he's got an IV hooked up and I'm just, I'm walking in with my backpack and I'm, I'm like, holy shit, he's, he's right there. and He's just you know, shooting shit with everybody. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, h- h- hi, and he's like, Hey, what's up, man. And I'm, and I'm like, well, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I drank too much last night. So Audner's hooking me up. And I was like, oh, cool. And, and just th- seeing that, you know, the personal side of somebody just not a racer. And then I'm like, oh shit, like this is, he's just a normal dude getting drunk and having fun with his buddies. And I was like,
1: <laughs> yeah. That was that was a little, yeah. So, um, when, I, when I got in, um, at the very beginning, we still had, uh, Friday practices for Supercross yeah, and then racing, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't uncommon for the yeah. guys to go practice on Friday and then just go and party. So this was like the tail end of that, that whole, uh, group, you know, per se that, that I don't want to say that generation, but that class, right. Of yeah. Those guys that would go and and just practice Friday, party Friday night. And just come Saturday morning, some guys were, you know, still feeling pretty good from the night before. And then and then be able to perform. And that was right. the thing that really amazed me was to watch these guys go out there and just crush it. And I was thinking, there's guys like guys like me, right? That eating right, you know, sleeping, getting all the right, you know, everything's right, you know, yeah. trying to get everything perfect so you can be at your optimum. And guys are rolling in uh you know still a little maybe a little hungover or definitely you know a little tired and just be able to flip that switch for those for that night show and, and just crush it it's just like these guys are unnatural so we've
0: we've come so far right because now i mean i don't know if you saw today with uh i mean ping said it and then racer x just followed up on it about roxan and the whole ped and the, the yeah, drug test I, stuff and yep, yep. so everybody's throwing throwing a fit about it but meanwhile i mean it wasn't it wasn't 15 years ago that guys were showing up drunk and then
1: throwing their leg right. over a motorcycle and yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I did read that. Yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty crazy. Um, But yeah, just, just watching, um you know, the last, for me, like the last 20 plus years of, of the sport and how it has uh changed from that, that to like, you know, Carmichael coming in and he, him doing a little bit more than, than the previous guy, you know, than McGrath and stuff and, and right. training. And so people had to adjust to that thinking, okay, that's what it takes to win. And then from Carmichael, you know, the next person that really kind of changed, I mean, Stuart changed the riding approach and stuff, but like from, you know, Dungey, I think was, they got it really up the, the training component. Like how yeah. much, how much emphasis went into the, the off season stuff, right. The preparation physically, not so much on the bike. So he, I think him working with, with Alden and, and just being very methodical about, about putting those things together. He, he, that was like the next change uh, was through him. And then it just kind of, it stepped up a little bit more, but I think it's kind of, it's kind of plateaued a little bit, you know, as far as the preparation goes, I think now, um, and I've, I've, you know, pushed this too with the guys um, and it's, it's happening a little bit, but it's difficult just because of the season, you know, the recovery part, yep. right. Everybody puts in the work. They're not, they're not afraid to put the work in. I mean, I've, I've seen, you know, people get burnt out because they do too much work. Right. And trying to really get them to, to understand the recovery part. And, and, and that that's been hard to, to, for them to, to grasp a hold of. Um, but I think we're seeing that a little bit now. Uh, the importance of that, they're not putting as many hours in riding the dirt bike. It's more quality now versus, versus quantity. Um, I don't, we're having more guys uh, like uh, Morris and Tedesco and those guys that were at, at the top of the game, uh, they're now uh, putting time on the bike, prepping it for the riders. So the riders don't have to do much of that riding, yeah. Okay? And they can get those settings pretty close to what the the riders want, and so they're not having to make as much adjustments uh, to the bike. So that's less time on on the bike. Also, um, you know, they're 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 making sure that the testing, you know, they still test a lot, which is really crazy um, because it takes such a lot out of you, but. I think even that is, is a little less because guys that, that are going, the test bike, the test guys are, yep. are doing more. Um, and I think the bikes, I'm not, you know, I'm not a mechanic, but I just think they've, it, Kevin Wyndham said this, you know, one time. He's like, we're not, we don't need more power, right? We need usable power. So more time is now spent on the handling of the bike, you know, making usable power. And, and so I don't think guys are pounding a lot of laps like they used to testing motors and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that, I think that's helped, but still, I think more can be done on, on that, that in the recovery part.
0: I think we're just scratching the surface on, um, on what you said, the, the aspect of quality training over quantity. Um, yeah. cause I think, so, especially some of these amateur kids, they see the dungeons of the world and they see these guys that are just crushing it and doing, you know, hundred mile bike rides and then, sure. you know, four motos a day. And, um, yeah. they don't understand what they're doing to their body from a long-term perspective. And that's why people got out of the sport at
1: Twenty-five years old, right? Yeah, uh, I know that Sleeter. Um, Sleeter. He he started the Orange Brigade program at KTM's yeah. uh, some time ago, and and I think that was that was really cool because he he took a concept that you see in, in stick and ball sports, right? You have club teams, or you have you have teams that they have organized practices, right? They have uh, coaches and they have uh, people that are available to them. Um, to progress them, so he he really tried to to do that with that program. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they were hitting all the regular nationals, so it was it wasn't perfect, but he was able to, to kind of rein him in a little bit, and all of them had to be on the same page and doing you know being accountable for stuff. And he was there to he was you know he he tried the best that he could to even communicate with the parents. Hey, you know let's let's take it easy. I know your son got hurt he's not fired well he can stay on the team because right. a lot of times you know parents like well you got to keep riding because you're gonna lose your ride mm-hmm. right right and, and you no know, that that was true for a long time and it, i mean it still is true to this day i know uh even at the professional level they're they're always scared that if they don't ride they'll lose their job and i know that contracts are sometimes just written that way as well um and it kind of sucks but there has been some progress. I know Sleater did that, and um, then they also have now some of these other places that, that are doing like Star Racing. I know they were doing some stuff with their amateur team. So it is going in the right direction. Is it perfect? No, but it's it's hopefully a little better than than it was in the past.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to get there. What what do you see? We've talked about this a lot, you and I personally. Uh, you know, as as we were going through everything, and where do you see healthcare? going forward in in our industry do you see it uh where you you know these guys are just going to continue to get their man friends and you know listen to bro science or do you think there's there's an avenue for more athletic trainers to um be
1: utilizing the sport like in a more corrective corrected way no i you know i've i've preached this from from the beginning um let's just start with health insurance right um it it's it boggles my mind when these riders they have no problem spending five or six hundred bucks on a pipe and silencer. Yep. But they had an HMO or no insurance at all, and it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, right. like even myself, I I try to get the best insurance that I can afford, right? And if I don't have, if I didn't have a PPO for some reason, monetary wise or not, then I'm gonna tone down my my stuff on on the bike right or yeah. snowboarding or whatever because if i break something it's going to cost me an arm and a leg right yeah. um so yeah i think we we made some strides in there um trying to get that out to those guys and the importance of having uh, good health care but it can be expensive right because if you start racking up some of those injuries your insurance rates are going to go up and sometimes that's cost prohibitive <clears throat> um but you know that that could be addressed okay that that could totally be addressed and i know this is We've talked about this many, many times. Um, you know the the word union, right? For the writers, yeah. that's been a thing since even before I I came into the industry, right? Um, and it's always for some reason gets shot down, and and I don't understand why. But that that would definitely help out a lot because if you had if you had an entity that for the writers, okay. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how it, it would exactly work out because they make these riders independent contractors. Right. Um, but I'm sure there's, there's a, there's a way to do it. Right. It just, it takes, it takes effort on all parts, um, to make it happen. But if you had some type of organization, cause I even, I'll, I'll tell you a story. So when we started the concussion program mm-hmm. and we were trying to find funding for the program, um, I ran across a, a program, a great Western bank. Uh, it was the bank at the time, they had a program for high schools where they would charge, it was an insurance program, right? And it was $10. An athlete had to pay $10, right? And it was just for concussions. Anything related to concussions, right? From the ambulance to the post-concussion care, the the neurology um, tests, all that stuff, right? Was covered 100%. There was no deductible, nothing. It was 10 bucks, Okay. And so I called and I was like, Hey, how, how does this work? Like, how are you doing this? Right. And the guy that ran the program, the guy that put the program together, I talked to that guy and he's like, it's a numbers thing, right? I just need X amount of numbers in the pool so that it, 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 it's a win-win for everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's like, how many guys do you have? And so I just did some, some real simple math and I'm like, you know what? I go at any given time we have maybe, 300 riders in this pool of right. professional athletes that would go up to a race that would go to a race. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not saying all of them show up at one race, but you have a pool, right. That at any given time they're at the race. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well we're 300 riders. Um, it's going to cost you 50 bucks a rider. Mm-hmm. $50 will cover their concussion care. So we're impact testing. Um, you know, seeing a doctor and everything right. Drop in the ocean. And I was like, what?
0: The drop in the ocean, man.
1: Yeah, right. And I was like, "I'm like, dude, done." I told the guy, "I'm like, dude, you know what? We're in. I, I I can sell this, no problem. I mean, even if it meant raising license fifty bucks, right? Right. Like, what? I mean, let's do it. So I went to Bodner. I went to Prater, and I went. I went to all, and I presented this, right? And I said, "But here, here is the thing, right? This is the only stipulation to this, right? Is that." we have to know who those 300 riders are at the beginning of the season. And you can't let anybody else in once the season starts. Ooh. Cause that's how the insurance program is written. Right. Uh-huh. So in high school, they have all the high school football players, they get signed up and you don't have guys coming in halfway through the season. Right. Yeah. I want to play football. Okay. Yeah. I'll let Johnny in for football. No, you have a roster at the beginning and that's your roster. Right. And as soon as I mentioned that <clears throat> they're like, no, can't do it. Right. And I was like, why not? I go, just say, let's say it's 500 and we only have 300, big deal. We just say, we had 300 this year, so it might be 50 bucks. If we have more, you just can't have guys rolling up. So the problem was the amateurs that move up, right? Or that come in, you know, let's say a kid, he gets his pro license, you know, somewhere and he wants to just race one national, right? Mm -hmm. Because that was the other thing, too. The guy's like, how many races did they race? What's the season? And I was telling them all that. He's like, yeah, okay, so this is what it's going to be, right? And you have those guys that only race that one national year, right? That's their little hometown race, and they sure. do that. Um, well, if that guy signs up in December, right, if he buys his pro license, he doesn't have to register for his race until that comes around, but he's in the pool, right? right. We needed to know who that was, and that would eliminate – those kids from Loretta's jumping up into the national scene. Remember how, you know, they would do that. Right. Yeah. I would take those guys out. They wouldn't be able to do it because you you can only have a cutoff. So they just like, Nope, can't do it. So I was like, all right. And I think too, is, um, you, you start to realize like, man, there's, there's, there's some power in numbers, right? Like if 300 guys would bring that down to 50 bucks, like what could you do with other stuff? Right. Right. Could you, could you technically have, um, some type of uh, health insurance, right? If right. we had 300 guys that were in a pool, what would that look like for a specialized health insurance plan? Like you would at a business, right? Yep. Um, I think you could, you could bring the cost down somewhat or offset the cost. Like let's say the riders get together and like, hey, you know what? We'll pay 50% of, of our health care, and the team has to pick up the other 50%. Right. You know? Or maybe but, or
0: like, put into the pool everybody with an AMA card that covers amateurs and pros alike, you know?
1: Yeah. Or yeah, you could do that too, you could, but yeah, you can do that. I mean, I, I don't know. There's, there's obviously some, you know, some stuff that would maybe not allow that to happen, but I was like, I think they, the higher ups saw that as like, well, if they're, if they're getting healthcare and they have power and numbers, what else are they going to ask for? Ah, uh, yeah. You know, if they're collectively getting together and they can see how being together as a group helps out, You know, what's to say they can't do, you know, some other stuff that was never mentioned. I'm only assuming. But when they were that quick to say, no, can't do it. I was like, wow. So, okay now what are you going to do? Right. So then. Just to finish up that that part, um, just to kind of tell you how the industry operates. Um, So at the time, we're working on that concussion program and Dr. Ryman and I were putting it together because we kind of saw. What was happening in other sports and we were trying to get ahead of it you know we're looking at these lawsuits and stuff uh-huh. and we're like hey we got to do something you know to all it takes is one smart lawyer to say hey i can get you guys some money right and then right. that's going to be that's going to be tough so um we start working on this concussion program and, and we thought we had a pretty good gig and um uh bonner's like yeah run with it and see see what you can do with it right and i was like "All right, cool." And so we had something together. We wanted to make a test run. We were like, hey, let's just try this out and see how it goes. And we were working on it. And um, we wanted to try it out at Supercross and just kind of see how it went. And then out of the blue, um, AMA is like, hey, we're going to make it mandatory for outdoors. And I was like, wow, these guys were – they beat us to the punch. Yeah. Right? Like They, they must have been working on something in the back that – I'm curious to see what they're doing. Like, this is crazy. Cause I knew what, what we went through to, to try to put together something that, that would work for our sport. Right. Right. And so I was like, well, okay, what's, what's the deal. So I told uh, Bodner and, and, and Tom, like, Hey, we got to find out what these guys are doing. So we went to them and like, Hey, what's, what's your guys' program? And they're like, Oh, we're going to run with your program. <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, but that costs money. And, Um, Jansen, Roy Jansen, he's told me, he's like, Hey, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, just make it happen. We got to have this up and running. So just let me know what it costs, whatever it takes. Let's go. Am I right? Cool. So we went to work and I was like, this is my opportunity to start making a career out of, out of being in the motocross industry here. This, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to make a living off of this program, but at least I can make something happen, you know, with this program. So I went to Dr. Ryman and we got it all together, and. I said, hey, I'm going to take a little bit of money out of this um, and put it in my pocket uh, as like a part time gig. Right. Plus the stuff that I'm doing with Moto already. um, It's going to start looking pretty good. And then we can hopefully expand on it and maybe make it a full time gig. Right. Yeah. And he was all about it. He's fully supportive. So we came up with a number. It was like fifty two thousand dollars for the year. Yeah. For the entire program. For me, Dr. Ryman, the concussion testing. um, We also had to have a license for this uh, this it's a group that monitors the tests when you take it online. Mm -hmm. Um, We had to license that colleges use it for when they do their, their testing. Um,
0: sure you're not cheating and stuff.
1: Exactly. So Ryman's like, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's reasonable. I mean, it's 52,000 for an athletic trainer, you know, to hire them full time and then do a program, you know, all that. So yeah, for sure. It's it's totally reasonable. Mm -hmm. So I went to Jansen and I'm like, Hey, it's 52 grand. And they're like, what? Like he flipped out. He's like, what are you like? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what, what, I mean, what were you expecting? Like, what, what did you think it was going to cost? Like, we're looking at like five, maybe 10 grand. <laughs> and I was like, that's how much the licensing is for, for this test. Like that's, right. that's, 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 that's insane. Like how could you think it's that much when you run a business that handles much higher costs of, of stuff, right? Like this should right. be nothing to you. And I was like, all right, well, then I guess we're not doing it. I was like, when he, when he said, hey, we can't do it. That's too much. I'm like, all right, cool. Then I guess you guys aren't doing it. And so then Bodner calls me. He's like, hey, um, we, we got to make this work. And I'm like, no, the guy doesn't want to pay. This is Dr. Ryman and I. We, this, is, this is it. This is the bare bones program. I mean, it, it should be more. Right. And he's like, well, we got to make it work. And I'm like, we're well, not. Nah, we can't do it. So he calls me and he's like, hey, we need to meet up. So we went to a Denny's out where he lives. And he's like, Hey, we, we have to make this work. And I'm like, well, how are we going to make it work? And He's like, well, figure it out. We got to do it, but it, we have to make this work. So I said, okay, look, um, I think if we take this and this out and this out, it came down to where they were going to the licensing was going to be covered and, and that stuff. And then I was going to make 200 bucks extra a month for running the program which was like nothing, right. right? I felt like I was going back to like the whole Buckley thing. Yep. And, and looking back at, at that, and I think this is, I don't know if this is the same for all healthcare workers, um, but you wear your heart on your sleeve and you think about the people that you are taking care of, in this case, the riders, right? And you put them in the front, like you put them first. Yeah. And so at that moment, I could have just walked away. They, they weren't going to. If I walked away, I'm not doing it. If they still want to find somebody else to do it, they can do it. But they weren't going to find someone to do it for 200 bucks a month. No. And and I knew that, right? But again, Bonner's like, "Hey, you got to do this." He's telling me like the team thing. You know, we'll we'll eventually get you squared away. We'll get that money for you. You know, at the next year, we'll we'll ask for more money. We'll get it for you. But we just got to we got to do it. And so I was like, all right, I buckled. And as a businessman, I suck you know <laughs> I mean, you run a business right you gotta deal with that and i had a business too like i was doing some training at the time right and and i just look back and i'm like i'm a crappy businessman like i should have just stood my ground and they would have had to buckle like they would have had to find that money if they wanted to start it and and i think you know they say when when you're negotiating you should negotiate from a position of power right and this is all i learned all this after the fact right yeah. <laughs> um And I should have just held my ground and and I should be willing. That's another thing what other people tell you, business people tell you is like, you have to be willing to walk away, right? When you're negotiating something, you want something, right? But you got to be willing to walk away from it. One thousand percent. Yeah. And I wasn't willing to walk away from it because that meant maybe, maybe they would have said, Hey, you're, you're done with moto. We'll find another Eddie, right? There's plenty of them out there, you know? Um, So I was worried about that. Um, And then, but more importantly, I was just like, I care for the guys on the track more than, than, you know, I, I want to say I care for myself. Right. Yeah. So I did. I said, all right, we'll do it. We'll, we'll do it. So we were doing it, you know, for, for bare bones. Like it was, it was nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that, you know, that got the concussion program. And at the time, at the time I would say that program was as good, if not better than, than anything else that was out there collegiate wise, professional wise. And, and I say that because um, we So when you're on a team like the NFL, that team itself is just responsible for those athletes. Right. And then, you know, the NFL has its union and you got to report to them. But the testing and everything can be done in-house. Right. We had to find ways to have people test all over the country and all over the world. Because I had guys calling me from France going, hey, I'm going to come race, you know, the Supercross. I got to do the impact test. Right. So they had to do it in their language right? And we had to set that all up. So we had to figure out how to do that. And then not only that, but then in the event that one of them gets injured, we got to be able to find where they can get that that follow up care. So I'm on the phone, calling clinics and explaining to them that what a motocross rider is, and, and they're going to pay you cash and, and this kind of stuff, and then calling doctors to get you know that care. So there was a lot involved in, in that that program that you didn't really see on, on the front end, right? Sure, but we made it happen. It was, it was it was cool, you know, and then and- And that personal attention
0: to detail, you can't get that. You're not going to get that in a ball and stick sport. I mean, where you, you have the, the director of the entire protocol, you have their cell phone number,
1: you know, and you're going to
0: text them around the world. That just doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. So, So, so that, that, that brings me to a story. So this testing, right? So if you're, if you can't come to an office and take the test, you can do it online. Right. So basically what happened is you go to this website, um, your camera comes on and there's a guy on the other end of the camera watching you take this impact test mm-hmm. and he's there just to make sure it's you taking the test and not somebody else. Right. So then when you're done with the test, it's over camera shuts off and, and you go about your business. I get an email that says, Hey, test was done. I check it, make sure that it's right. And we're good to go. The guy gets a clearance. He gets his pro license or he gets to race. Right. So th- this thing's working pretty good. There's some kinks here and there, but for the most part, it's, it's pretty awesome. And then I get a phone call. I get an email you got to, you know, you got to call me back. And then I get this phone call with an urgent, you need to call me ASAP. We have a situation. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? So I call this company and the guy's like, hey, this is a, this is the first for us. We've never had this before. Um, we don't know how to proceed. Uh, we're talking to our attorneys and we got to figure out if there's anything that's been, you know, illegal or anything like that. And I'm like, what the heck? Right. So I'm like, all right, dude tell me hit me with it what's going on he's like well one of your your one of our clients one of your your athletes signed up to take the test he did his test but he forgot to log out so the camera guy is just watching like he doesn't log out yeah the athlete has to log out so he's just sitting there watching so this athlete goes and starts getting it on with his chick oh no in front of the camera. And he doesn't know, right? He's like, he's in his bedroom. So the camera is right there on his desk, but the camera's facing his bed. And he's just getting after it. And this poor sap on the other end of the camera is watching the whole thing. Because there's parameters, right? Like when you set up the test, if the guy's hands go below the keyboard, the computer shuts off or the camera shuts off. I took all those out. I'm like, yeah. oh, I don't need any of that. I just need to make sure the guy that says he's doing the test is taking the test yeah so the dude's like all right then it's going it's going this whole time nothing's shutting the computer off <laughs> he went for extra credit it seems. <laughs> so i'm like i just started laughing right because we're moto right we think that's funny right and the guy on the other end is freaking out he's like hey this is serious man this is pornography i'm like yeah like yeah for sure you know this is cool i can't <laughs> wait to tell everybody back at the, you know i'm i'm looking at this is hilarious right and he's literally freaking out He's like there's like all these regulations that we have just broke and this and that. I'm like, all right, here's the deal. What do we do? And he's like, well, I can delete the file. And I was like, all right, well, that's 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 let's do Seems that. Easy. Right? Let's, right. let's delete the file. So I'll tell you what, let me let me talk to my medical director. All right, let's see what he wants to do. He's a doctor, you know. We understand all these these procedures more than I do. And uh, we'll we'll check it out. You know, we'll see what happens. So I call Vodner. And I tell him what happened. He starts laughing. Right. He's thinking the same way I do, right? He's like cracking. up. like, "Who is this? You know? Who? Oh my god!" And then, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I tell Carson, and and we're like, "So, what do we do? Do we go to riders' meeting and just play the video, you know, and call this guy out?" <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> and so, so we ended up. Uh, we just we told the guy just delete the video. You know, no, yeah. no, big deal. So, I was at riders' meeting. I was at I think it was Anaheim, one of the Anaheims, and we we're having the riders' meeting. And I was like, hey, you know, we had a situation and I'm trying not to look at the guy. Yeah. Right. I'm trying not because I'm saying this and I'm like my eyes. are So I'm really trying to like just look around. Right. So I don't want to make eye contact with this guy. And he knows who he is. After I started talking, I'm like, hey, you got to make sure when you take this impact test, when you're done, you log out. Right. We yeah. had an incident and I started telling him this whole thing about how this guy was like getting it on and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, what? who is it? Who is it? Like, we can't say a HIPAA violation, you know, and they're like, what? And I have my eyes down like this and I'm just like <laughs> cracking up. <laughs> so, yeah, we, uh, yeah, that was, that was,
0: oh, that's fun. great, man. So. All right. I want to respect your time. I see your lovely wife hanging out in the back. She's probably like in the corner. No, we're greater. good. We're good. Well, tell me, tell me one before I let you go. Tell me one good story
1: about this guy oh. right here from this. Is that the motocross story? uh i don't care dude <laughs> no um man i don't know what's we got, talk we got about, can we talk stories. about the hair
0: for a second i mean
1: dude that guy's hair was always on point the, you know there and it's picture perfect yeah it for sure that guy he's a solid dude it, he used to get his hair done, i think by lonnie at Harry's situation and his his girlfriend and you know now wife she became a hairstylist so she put a, a stop to that right? oh yeah um, cut it off but um no what God, what is it? We have some stories. Holy cow! Um, let's see, where do we go? I'm, well, one of them. I'm this guy. So we would go to the track when he was riding for KTM, and I would go to his house and we drive out to the track. And every time, I'm talking every time, right on the button, he would get suited up, get ready to go, right, helmet on, and everything, and then he would take his bike stand and go out into the field and take a dump. Like every time (laughs) it was like, like, I take your dump, take my dump. Like he would just go out there and just pop a squat, come back, you know, and then boom, done. I mean, go ride the rest of the day. I'm like, why don't you do that in the morning when you get up? He's like, no, it it comes on, you know, when, when when I get all my stuff on, I'm like, dude, you're killing me. You know, we have like
0: rattlesnakes to worry about out
1: there and stuff (laughs) like, (laughs) right. So somewhere out there at the KTM track, there's a bunch of landmines because of this guy. (laughs)
0: You know, for, for those um, not watching, and you're just listening on a podcast, I, I have a, a lovely picture of Eddie with uh, founder of Whiskey Throttle, David Pingree, while he is. Uh, I guess what was this? This was a, um, I mean, he just came to hang out as a paramedic, right? On the uh, on the
1: astrick rig. Well, he wasn't even a paramedic then. He was. He was. Uh, he was considering that 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 job. I think he was. It was. He was in the paramedics, or no? Excuse me. He was in anatomy and physiology with Dostal. I think at this time. Okay. And I remember he was in the rig. And I'm like, hey, you want to practice some IVs? Because you do not have to do this when you go to medical. And he's like, he's like, You sure? He's like, Yeah, dude. Drop a line in. So I laid down. I was I was the guinea pig. I'm like, yeah, let's just walk you through it. And he was like, No way. He's like, okay. And he was like super nervous. And so, I'm like, dude, you're, you know, I'm like trying to be calm, right? Because if right. I'm nervous, he's gonna be nervous. So I'm like, sure. Yeah, just you know, who cares? If you jab me, I'm not gonna die, you know. And no, he got it. First stick, he was pretty good. And so he said it helped him out. You know, when he went to school for paramedic school, he'd already experienced that. So he wasn't freaking out like some of the other students it was, it was good I love yeah, it. yeah it was good for him yeah uh, what else oh, gosh there's a time avid surfer right he loves to surf yeah um and he we were out at oceanside and um for those of you that maybe don't know ping uh, very well he's a he's got a unique physique right um he's not the most i would say uh he doesn't have a six-pack he doesn't have the broad shoulders tends to have like a little 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 pudge right and you put All him right. in a wetsuit and he looks like a little seal. You right? I- <laughs> can't. No, he looks like a seal, right? Um, and so we were out there paddling out, and he was ahead of me a little bit. And he's paddling, and all of a sudden, a seal or a, a sea lion seal pops up out of the water. And I mean, you can look at, you can see the whiskers, you can see the eyes, and he's maybe half a foot, a foot away from his his face. And now we're stopped <laughs> in the ocean, and I'm I'm right behind him, like to his left. And Ping's like, what do I do? What, what, what do I do, Eddie? And I'm like, I think it wants to mate you. I think, I think this, this guy thinks you're you're one attractive uh, sea lion, you know? And he's like, stop messing around. I'm like, I don't know, dude. Look at those eyes. <laughs> and he's freaking out. And so it just looks at him and then it, it like swims away and we just go out surfing. But he was freaking out. Like this thing was, I was like, dude, it's going to mountain you, man. It's going to try to. Try to have some fun with you. So, I love it. Dude,
0: really funny. Well, dude, we got to do this again. There's so much more stuff oh, we yeah. got to talk about. Like a lot more,
1: a lot, yeah. a lot, of good stuff. I could tell you, like stories. Like you wanted stories, like the Ron Ron and and that's, if you guys remember, you know, rest in peace, Ivan uh, One Punch, Tyler <laughs> Evans, Tyler Evans One <laughs> Punch. Let's 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 end, let's, end, let's end with that one. So I like that. I like. That. I think there's mini Minneapolis the old stadium um with the airlock and stuff and uh, Tyler had gotten uh food poisoning so he was like laid up in the truck on IV, trying to get hydrated but he was out like he was not feeling good he couldn't move yeah and then Ron Ron uh had gotten a concussion so we brought him in so we're keeping him in there for observation and and Ron Ron's just laying on the gurney and, and Tyler's over there just like uh you know like all all bubble guts and everything and so Ron Ron's like Oh hey, one punch, and he's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "You ain't so tough." Look at you, you ain't so tough. <laughs> and, and Tyler's like, oh, "I'm gonna kick your ass." He's like, "Go ahead," <laughs> and he couldn't because he was laid up. Right? He was so right. he, he was so out. And Ron Ron, his concussion, he was just talking so much trash to, to Tyler. And I was like, "Ron Ron, dude, you have a concussion. You're not gonna remember any of this." He's gonna remember everything. Everything, you know. And he's like, "Oh, he, he's not so tough. Look at him. <laughs> he, he's soft. You know. He's he's super nice." I'm like, "All right." And Tyler wanted to kick his ass in the truck, but he couldn't because he was just laid up. He had no power. Like right. he was nothing. That was hysterical. So awesome.
0: That's great, man. That's great. Well, many more to come on episode two because yeah, let's do we've got it. Got a lot episode more to three, talk about. four. I don't <laughs> care. Everyone
1: six guys. Hey, tell you what, if. Those six people that are listening, if they want to hear some more, just have them whatever chime in, write in, do whatever and go, I want to hear some more stories. I'd love you it. Know? Yeah.
0: Hey, do you mind yeah. if I put up your email address, let them contact you if they have questions for you or
1: do you want, um, you have a way yeah, to do that? Or wanna. Yeah. I mean, if, I'm, I'm always willing to talk. I'm out here in Italy. It might take a little bit to get back to him. Yeah. I have no problem. Yeah. Okay. If anybody um, wants I... to,
0: anybody wants to contact Eddie, it's right there out in the ether. So you can check it out. Unless
1: I owe you money or something like that. I don't, I mean... I got euros or I get, you know, right. And then the so. conversions and who wants to do that? Yeah. <laughs> no good. Uh, so, well, yeah. thanks bro.
0: I appreciate you coming on. It's good to catch up with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. When you asked me to be on, I was like, man, it's bringing back some memories, you know, from, from the time that I was in and, and uh, it was great to be able to, to bring some of those back. And Hey, if, if the audience wants another show, I'm, I'm more than happy to give them another one and, and we can go into more stories. I got plenty of them. Right. I love it. All right, man. Well, all right, folks, Crash Cart
0: signing off. Thanks a lot. We'll
1: yeah, see you. Yeah, thank you. Cool.